0: Season four of the Telly Award-winning podcast coming at you like Mr. Senior Love Daddy, doing the Yang and the Yang, the Hip and the Hop, the Stupid Fresh Thing, the Flippity Flop, and that's the truth, Ruth. Ruth. There you go. I am wake Ryland up, Grant. Up you wake. <laughs> wake up, wake up, wake up! Uh, I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Warner and creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Van Jackson, now for Origins. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the left is...
1: David Avaloni, screenwriter, comic book writer, and in keeping with our surprising Do the Right Thing theme today, Mets fan.
0: Love it, love it. Always do the right thing. Uh, if you, right you missed any... of pre- I'm gone. If you missed any of our previous Conversations episodes, uh, featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fractions, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many, many more. Amazing episode with Christopher Cantwell uh, uh, last week. Uh, uh, Double on back and check all that out. Uh, Our entire catalog catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, uh, iTunes, uh, wherever you get your crack. All that noise. I'm tripping over myself. Um, uh, But great show today. Uh, What do you got going on this week, uh, Apolloni?
1: What week is this? This will be the week of—I don't know, June 10th. Are we like June 8th, 9th, 10th? Yeah, like
0: I, I, I forgot that we're time traveling, right? So we're yeah. We're doing so the, first,
1: the yeah. second issue of Elvira in Monsterland, number two, that'll be dropping next week from when this airs. Uh, yeah. You'll have less than two weeks. Thank you. You'll have less than two weeks to get in your, uh, or maybe about two weeks to get in your Avalone and or, uh, Elvira comics to CGC for the big, uh, joint signing we're doing.
0: Big extravaganza.
1: Uh, big extravaganza. Go to CGC and look up my name or Elvira and you'll find the information. You can send your comics down to, down to them and they will be signed by me and, or the mistress of the dark herself. And, uh, encased in carbonite and sent back to you, uh, as, as I, as I understand the process and what I got going on aside from that, nothing. I have a lot of that nebulous, super annoying. Is that contract public knowledge yet stuff? So I can't, that's everything else. It's everything else that's going on is stuff that has not been publicly announced yet, but, uh, going to be an exciting summer and I'm looking forward to San Diego.
0: Yeah, you could tell us, but you'd have to kill us. Yeah. Um, I am, uh, you know, on strike still. Yes. Uh, with the Writers Guild of America. Um, you know, still reeling from the uh, the DGA, kind of, uh, you know, kicking us while we were down. Yeah. Um, but, but I will not digress into that. Uh, however, uh, yeah, full bore on comics right now. Um, I'm all in um, helping to shape the immortal story verse for the, uh, the upcoming Dynamite release in the fall right um so that's going really well um check out for news on that uh soon um I, I i will maybe take one more chance to pimp uh my recent appearance in uh the incredible hulk annual number no. one written by our friend david pepos uh i um did not write the book but i star in the book i am the protagonist of a a hulk story uh and you should go check it out i am um kind of a, a jerk, uh, intrepid uh, filmmaker who uh, goes into the wild jungle to track down the Incredible Hulk and get him on film. Uh, it doesn't go well for me, um, sure. but it's wondrous. And I think in last week's episode, I cut a deal for uh, Christopher Cantwell to, you know, kill me off in Iron Man or uh, or Captain America or something like that. So I think Very I exciting. parlayed didn't another appearance. So I got all that going for me, um, but we've talked Very too exciting. much. Let's bring our yes. guest on. He's a lot more so- interesting than we are
1: let us let us bring in our today's guest uh the great andrew Pepoy. hey there hello Hi, Andrew. thanks for joining us Thank tell the kids for having at home tell, tell the kids at home just a little bit about yourself
2: uh well uh i'm andrew pipoy i've been doing comics professionally now for 34 years so quite a while <laughs> uh, mostly known as an inker but also uh you know Always been pushing my my own writing and drawing as well. Uh, I'm probably best known for long runs on uh, The Simpsons, Fables, X Men, Sonic the Hedgehog, and all sorts of things. Um, I
1: really wanted that to be one book. Yeah. I, wouldn't that be fun? The wouldn't Simpsons, that be fun? Fables, X Men. Where's <laughs> that?
2: Yeah, like, right. Sell
1: me that product because mm-hmm. I I really I I really I really want that. And you have an uh, you mm-hmm. have a Kickstarter that started yesterday.
2: I Every do, I dropped. do, yes, yeah. For the uh, um, Harvey-nominated Simone and Ajax, um, I've been doing these characters actually since I was in college, and and so they they do have a history. And as some viewers or listeners or whatever they're doing with this one uh, are may know. Uh, uh, I recently, I not long ago, did my very first Kickstarter to do a collection of all new material. That was my pandemic project, and I have this nice, lovely little hardcover out here, The Adventures of Simone and Ajax, Lemmings and Tigers and Bears, oh my. It's pretty. But, yeah, but they do have a history. And I'm yep. um, and so I'm, I'm launching a Kickstarter here to collect all the early black and white comics I did with them, starting with that very first story I did with them in college. I was going to say, you're up.
1: going all the way back to the college straight.
2: I am, I am. I'm going to show that little three-pager I did in college, as embarrassing as it is. I sort of figure the book's just not complete without it, yep. you sure. know. And uh, sure. and then and then all the comics, uh, actual comic book stories I did for various anthologies and things from 1994 till uh, 2004. Mm-hmm. So and all in one a, place. I,
1: I got the the God Hates Astronauts omnibus uh, by Ryan Brown, and the first, I don't know, maybe at least ten pages, twenty pages in it are earliest versions of it. One of which I think he did for a 24-hour comic <laughs> day or whatever, and he's like, "This is terrible, but this is an omnibus." and I promised you everything, so here's, like, please stick with me through this black and white well, yeah. crazy nonsense until we get to the thing that I really, you know, I'm proud of. It's so,
0: it's so interesting to see how something evolves, yeah. though, and, and 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 the seed that it grows out of, you know, um, and I think it's very important. I mean, a lot of our audience, they're, they're creators, would-be creators, the whole nine yards, and I, I think these things are... Are, are very important i mean i some of the most interesting art exhibits I, i've ever seen i've been to the picasso exhibit where you know there are 50 of his like perfectly composed finished masterpieces there it's wonderful the more interesting exhibit to me was i went to an exhibit where they just showed everything that he did in a year and if mm-hmm. he drew on a fucking napkin in a restaurant yep. it was hanging up on mm-hmm. the wall um, and you just see how ideas form, you know, again, how 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 seeds are, are planted and watered and germinated and how they sprout and then die and need to be replanted and all these things. And then in the end, you end up with the masterpiece. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't see that enough. We don't see process enough. And, and I think it's yeah. important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like like I know, like, say, you know, Eric Larson or something had had Savage Dragon since he was like a kid. Yeah. And now he's, you know, been getting he was able to turn that into a career. So, you know, and I know he has thrown some of these oldies into his collections as well. And, uh, you know, so I just want to, you know, if I'm going to do this book, I just want it to really be everything. So it's going to be, like I said, not only, you know, the, the college thing, the comics that I did, but I'm also going to throw in, uh, I, I often would do entire mini comics as my uh, like holiday part. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm making sure I throw those in, you know, things people haven't seen, but they were done in those black and white days. So I just want to like give them the whole picture of everything.
1: The whole, you know, one of my favorite illustrations I've ever seen by Jack Kirby is his uh, Ben Grimm, the thing Hanukkah card that he used to send out. Right. There's a, there's a, there's a, I don't know if you've ever seen it Ryland, but there's there's a, there's a, there's a Jack Kirby drawing of the thing with a yarmulke and a prayer shawl on reading and it's, you know, happy Hanukkah, Jack Kirby. Nice. In case you were wondering if the thing was canonically Jewish, it's like, yes, yeah, he's yeah, extremely. Yeah. He Established
0: on- in, in 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 Christmas card uh, yeah. from 19, yeah, that's funny. And one of
1: my yeah, most extra, extra, extra,
2: Oh, go ahead, go ahead. David. No,
1: I was gonna say one of my most cherished things I own, I have a, a holiday card sent to us mm-hmm. by, uh, by David Silverman, director of the Simpsons, uh, where okay. he, it was when my wife was at the time a burlesque dancer and it's probably the only drawing in existence of Krusty the Clown in drag uh, wearing pasties as a burlesque dancer.
2: Because
1: <laughs> he sketched that for Augusta on the card and I was we were blown away by it. And it's just such a wonderful thing to own, you know, considering it's not just, you know, random caricature artist. It's David friggin Silverman uh, who directed the shorts on Tracy Ullman and goes all the way back, you know.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah so no, I've met him. I've met him a couple times myself. He's a great yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a great yeah. Guy. What were you going to say? Uh, oh no, I was going to say yeah. You you mentioned uh with something about you know the I can't remember what triggered this memory, but yeah, actually it turns out now that I think about it, the very first published piece of Simone and Ajax art would have been my 1989 uh, Christmas card. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, I can't include that in the book because I've long since lost the art. I only wow. have one. You know, I mean, the art's probably somewhere in a box somewhere. But mm-hmm. uh, the the uh, the only copy I have of it. Is on red paper, black ink on red paper, and it's pretty much impossible to scan black ink on red paper and get in, and and eat, do anything right. to clean it up well enough to uh, to make it publishable. So that's funny. I, yeah, I, go ahead, Brian.
0: Oh no, I, I was just going to say. I mean, it's great for fans and and for readers who are just discovering um, you know the the title. Um, but it's also oh. great for you because I, I'm just thinking about my own stuff and the idea that. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I haven't done a book. Uh, I, I haven't done a title like this for as long as you've done it. I mean, this has been quite the run, mm-hmm. um, but it's great for you because all of this stuff is it is scattered around. Right. It's in a box over here. I, I have something in my parents' basement. I uh, There's something that I sent to a friend one time and only he has it. And the idea of for you bringing it all together, organizing it. Um, you know putting it in a nice little sort of package tying it up in a bow and being able to keep it on a shelf and you just yeah. have everything there is, is is really amazing
2: yeah no it's it's been fun digging through this sure. stuff it's also been a little frustrating when i can't find certain things but of course sure. people won't know that something's missing but sure. uh, i'm i'm you know but it's all you know but it's been great finding things uh things i've i'd completely forgotten about that i'd ever done uh I would so. say
1: my nickel's worth of advice is you know even though it doesn't scan well i would say just take a photograph of your hand holding the Christmas card and put that in the book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like show our holiday card, but you know what I mean? Just, just to like show the existence of it, even if it's unreproducible as a good piece of art, you can say, well, this is the first thing it's unreproducible as a piece of art, (laughs) you know, but uh, I did want to, you know, in terms of what I was thinking about talking to you today, uh, I definitely place you in, that that you know whole history of cartooning of that you know the 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 way you do character and story in the stuff that you write in the stuff that's you know completely your creation connects to that whole history of how cartooning has been done going you know pre-comic books going back to strip art and all
2: of that oh yeah Um, i love i love the old strips yeah yeah yeah,
1: and I was wondering who, who's the most, from, from, that, uh, from that world, who's the biggest influence on you? Uh,
2: well, the biggest influence of strip stuff would probably be Roy Crane and the mm. Washtubs and Captain Easy days. So I've actually got the, uh, many years ago, NBM collection of, you know, complete collection of, of Roy Crane's Washtubs and Captain Easy right there on the shelf behind me.
1: Wow, um, and I, I gotta say, I'm not familiar with that series. That's uh, No?
2: Okay. He's, yeah. he's often considered the father of the adventure strip. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, he had started Wash Tubs as a humor strip back in the 20s, uh, but as it evolved, it sort of turned into an adventure strip, and it really turned into sort of your more what we would consider classic adventure strip uh, by about nineteen twenty, 1920, 1929 when he introduced Captain Easy, who was a soldier of fortune, you know, maybe a, a more of a, like if Indiana Jones were a, a, a bit, uh, hmm, what's the right word, uh, just... Yeah, I mean that. Kind of, I guess I'm not coming up with the right word, but sort of a you know soldier fortune type uh, character mm-hmm. uh, who uh, Wash tubs, this little tiny you know short guy with big glasses, started hanging around with and having all these crazy adventures going all over the world, South America. You know, because mean back in those days, it's like you know like people didn't get get to travel as much as they did. So going to some place like South America sure. um, or Africa, you know, or was was a, was a huge adventure.
1: Sure.
2: And and you know, they'd be looking for treasures and. And there were all and and uh, um, and and you know Crane. Uh, he was it, it was a car- but it was a cartooning thing. It was it was right. not like a, a Al Williamson, you know, beautifully illustrated strip. Right. It wasn't. It, was, it wasn't it was Terry and the cartooning. Pirates. No, no, it was not Terry and the Pirates. But it influenced Terry and the Pirates because right. right after that that sort of evolution happened. Suddenly you had Buck Rogers. You had the Tarzan newspaper strip. Soon after that you had Terry and the Pirates and. All the other adventure strips that came after that, he sort of he sort of built the blueprint for the adventure strip.
1: Was um, Captain Easy a little more disreputable? Is that the word you were looking for? Like not quite. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's the word. Well, no. But the was...
1: reason I the reason I say that is because there's an influence on Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. that vanishes after the first movie.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: In the first movie, he's definitely sleazy. He's definitely borderline criminal you know he's a he's a grave robber he just happens to grave rob and give it to a museum which is not is that better <laughs> like i don't mm-hmm. i don't know that that's better and there's an influence on his character um the bogart character in treasure of the sierra madre fred c dobbs mm-hmm. is very strong in the you know the greedy gold prospector is very strong and raised the lost ark and then it just they go well, you know what we don't yeah. need that kind of yeah. moral complexity in our yeah. Well,
0: well, well i mean the, i mean the funny thing in indiana jones is in the last crusade there is the the flashback to young indiana jones played by right. river phoenix and he encounters this person who obviously like is the inspiration for his look and his whole whole business and that guy is kind of who indy actually starts off as yeah. uh, in the first movie and and but with The Last Crusade, it is sort of the the completion of like the Disneyfication of the uh, yeah. of the mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the franchise. I think in that case, kind of in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but it was interesting to see that sort of full circle and the nod to who he was originally. Well, in. and
1: it's, I mean, not to get off on the Indiana Jones tangent, but I think it's one of the ways that Tem- Temple of Doom falters is they can't really come up with a good character motivation for to, like the fortune and glory thing feels so like screenwritery and tacked on like, Oh, we got to give them something that sounds like a cool motivation, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, to get back to So the, the style of it is a cartooning style.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know this is a, you know, a lot of people are seeing this on audio, so it's, I can't even like a whole picture up to the screen or something <laughs> to, to give you an idea, well, but, they but can, I do, they
1: can, uh, yeah. They, they can, can Google, Google it. the title. Certainly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of examples and um, yeah. And, and like I said, it was very, it was very cartoony. Uh, there was, there was often the femme fatale or the, you know, or just the sure. fun, uh, you know, gal pal who would be tagging along through the adventure or something like that. A uh, whole, whole series of that, which of course, you know, Kniff then picked up on and, and did sure. did through Terry and the pirates. And sure. um, so, yeah. And, and uh, so yes. And Crane, Uh, If you know the work of Enoch Bowles, it's like I think Mm. I I sometimes think Enoch Bowles painted like Roy Crane would have painted if Roy Crane was a painter. Mm. (laughs) So if you're familiar with Enoch Bowles, but not Roy Crane, you know.
1: And and uh, the the real the other question is, like me, you're interested in this stuff, but you're not 95 years old. So how did you stumble across this strip? How did because I know I don't think this was in newspapers when we were kids.
2: Um, I mean, it gone, still but... exi- it still existed, but by other people by the time of right. the kids. I mean, you know, because you know, Roy Crane, uh, you know, had, had like at, in in the in the mid 40s, uh, the bigger syndicates like King, um, uh, you know, poached most of the uh, best cartoonists from the other syndicates. So Crane left uh, Wash tubs and went over to go do Buzz Sawyer, which maybe you're familiar with that one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, but anyway. No, uh, how I discovered it was there. There, I mean, I was very lucky. I lived, uh, even though I lived in a small town in Michigan, um, and there weren't a ton of books on comics on the history of comics in the nineteen seventies. They still had a really good collection of what there had been, like the nostalgia press books of Flash Gordon and and Terry and things. Now, was
0: this at was this at a local public library or a bookstore? Yeah, this was
2: my local public library. I, 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 uh,
0: I feel like I feel like I knew you were from Michigan. Where in Michigan are you from? I, I'm a, I'm a Detroit Holland. guy, so uh, Holland. Okay, nice. Yeah, so
2: opposite yeah. side of the state. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right I, on, like,
0: I I feel like you and I talked about this before. Uh, pro- probably, started, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, my public library was 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 you know had a, had an amazingly for that time an amazingly good collection of what yeah. existed as far as the history of comics go, and one of the books that uh, I checked out over and over and over again was the Smithsonian History of Newspaper Comics. Oh. Which introduced me to Wash Tubbs and Captain Easy, Terry and the Pirates, Mickey Mouse, back when Mickey Mouse was a slam bang soldier of fortune adventure strip back in the '30s. You know, who? Wow. You know, it's like you know, it's like it, 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 Disney wouldn't even let that stuff be reprinted until recent years because right. you know, Mickey's Mickey's out there like with a gun and. Um, uh it was actually one of the best adventures he
1: secretly knew he had it in him and he had been like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know the mickey that we all grew up with you knew that that guy had been castrated by a major corporation you know and he right right you know you could definitely see you know bugs bunny talking to him and say you used to be cool man he was was
0: covering for something (laughs) like like they
1: they still kind of let me be cool but you used to be way cooler than you are now you know
2: but, but 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 honestly, actually, that that Mickey stuff from the 30s is some of the best adventure strips ever done, and is another wow. influence on what I'm doing, um, because I love that stuff as a kid. And I, I, anything I could find related to that, that was that was great. So I, you know, there was that book, which is still supposedly in print, the Smithsonian Collection Newspaper Comics. I recommend to anyone to, know. to check that out. And if you can't, and if it's not in print, I mean, it was in print for like 40 years, so there are tons of used. Co- I'm always right. running across used copies. Right. Of check, it, so I recommend that to anybody.
1: Check your eBay's. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like and that.
2: then. I, I, have oh,
1: to, I have to do the carve out PSA here. The importance of a good local public library and good librarians cannot be overstated. People don't realize, guys like us, we have the careers we have for all sorts of reasons. But, like, what I know about British, the history of British comedy, as an example, is because I saw. Peter Sellers name on a goon show LP that was in with the soundtrack albums at my local public library. And I thought, Mm -hmm. what's this? And I started listening to an avant-garde British comedy radio show that aired 15 years before I was born. And I never, like, I don't know that to the current age of 57, I would have stumbled across the goon show anywhere, but In the local public library. Yeah, Not not in those days,
2: probably not.
1: And that's true of so many, like the way that our careers are shaped partly by like you find the, you know, you find the book in the library. That's the golden book and you open it and you see the thing that makes you go. That's wild. I want to do that. And, you know, the other version of that in American schools, at least when I was a kid, is the scholastic book service. You know, your parents saying you can get one book a month or you can get two bucks a month or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think I got the world. I think I got uh, the the making of Star Trek from Scholastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And And I was
2: I was. Oh, Go
1: ahead. No, I was just going to say and like a career in show business Mm -hmm. like it it didn't take any of the magic away to be shown a production report when I was eight years old and go, this is, this is some, this is fascinating. Like, and the development process and how the character used to be Robert April and then he was Captain Pike and then he was Captain, you know, like all of that stuff about how the sausage is made rather than ruining it puts your mind to work on. Here's how I will make my own stuff. Here's how I can start. I can do a thing like this. I can draw I, I, a floor plan yeah. of a set. You know
0: I, I I think we need to expand that too to include comic shops, video stores. oh because yeah, absolutely because we all had our temples and and right. and there and there's, you know, it's the same story every time. There was a great comic shop clerk that said, like, oh, you know. don't don't worry about reading that. Here's the good stuff. Or, Hey, you like that? Here's something else like it. Uh, here's something else that pushes it a little bit further. You know I mean? How, how I got started in comics was, you know, again, I I was one of the idiots that uh, death of Superman happened. I had to go like every other idiot and and get my copy, but it got me into a comic shop and the image revolution was happening. And that was really interesting. And, um, and it was a really amazing, you know, comic shop clerk that said like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, it seems like you have some pretty good taste or, or the beginnings of it. Let me start to show you some stuff. And then he's showing me he's taking me into the, the back issue bins and showing me Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle. You know, it's like they they you know they they made one of their uh, their banner stars an alcoholic in the late seventies. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> who knew? Like comics can actually be about something and about something real and challenging and interesting, and still be a badass superhero story, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 yeah, I think and and uh, for me too, the Scholastic book orders, you know, huge deal. It's just like. And- let, and, let, let me, let me, open this thing and devour it. And Ooh, that picture cool. And that picture cool. And Oh, yeah. I can read, I can read about presidents and I can read about, you know, trains. I can read about whatever. No, and and the
2: thing,
1: you know, I, the, I, it's, you know, Andrew's been on my uh, my pulp today podcast and knows that this is sort of my thesis that the, you know, there is no such thing as low art and high art. There's only art. And, you know, it can be a gateway to any number of things. And, you know, my father, the reason I mention the, 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 great thing about libraries is that they're free, you know, like uh, no disrespect to comic book stores, bookstores, Scholastic, but anyone can walk into a public library, get a library card and get stuff. And like my father did not have a great education. He went to a public school in the Bronx in the 1930s and was in high school when World War or yeah, was getting out of high school when World War II broke out and never finished high school but he became a published author with over 200 you know published novels and a big part of that is when he was a kid hollywood went through a period of adapting every best selling book they could because the studio moguls were desperate for relevance and academy awards and whatever and what my father would do is he'd see, you know, the whatever whatever studio made A Tale of Two Cities with Ronald Coleman, and you know the movie might be two hours long, you know, for the you know three hundred page book, but my father would go to the public library and check out A Tale of Two Cities. You know, my father would go see The Seahawk with Errol Flynn and go, I'm going to read the Raphael Sabatini, and the book has nothing to do with the movie, but like he got this great classical education in literature because he would go see movies you know the the 1930s potboiler versions of great literature and go okay i will now you know yes the the version of uh the great gatsby with alan ladd actually has a scene of him leaning out of a model t firing a thompson submachine gun which is not very uh not very f scott fitzgerald but it will drive my father to go read f scott fitzgerald and that's the you know and that, So, you know, just I always feel like it's worth – it's easy to forget as you get older, uh, if you had a childhood like mine, like how much time you spent just roaming around the local public library with nothing better to do than yeah. pulling a book off the shelves. You know, and I don't even remember – I can't remember where I read about uh, – after Star Wars came out and I was hungry for space opera. Like what, what else – There will be no more Star Wars for three years except the Marvel comics, and I'm already reading those. Where can I get more space opera? I wish I knew where I found – I wish I knew who said, oh, yeah, this owes a little something to Galactic Patrol by E.E. Doc Smith. Because I know I walked into a library and went to the science fiction section and found Galactic Patrol by E.E. Doc Smith because someone told me it was like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. that, and I read all of that series, and the same thing with Edgar Rice Burroughs and the, you know, John Carter of Mars. Someone said to me, "You want Star Wars, John Carter of Mars, Galactic Patrol, you know, even Foundation, even Dune, you know, uh, and that can't be undervalued. You know, you, no. the the way that everything is a gateway to something else. You and, know,
2: and like I actually ended up thanking my hometown library in one of the Snowden and Ajax books." Because, yep. they, like you said, it really was something that steered me not only toward comics and things that I hadn't seen, but these librarians went out of their way they, uh, for me to do something that literally changed my life um, overnight, mm-hmm. which was they saw this 10-year-old kid coming in, checking out every book there was on comics in the library. They saw this 10-year-old kid sitting there. like I, My grade school was about two blocks from the library, so I'd go down there sometimes because the World Encyclopedia of Comics uh, was was a reference book. I couldn't check it out, so I'd go down there maybe once or twice a week, and I read that thing from cover to cover, you know, like just a couple hours at a time, and my dad would pick me up on his way home from work. So they saw this kid, and they are like, you know, there's a real cartoonist around here. And they said, would you like to meet him? And they arranged for me to meet Rick Yeager, who had drawn the Buck Rogers newspaper strip from 1933 to 58 and several strips after that. And, and it's like, suddenly it's like, you know, it's like, this isn't just something that's happening in a book. I'm meeting this guy who actually drew these strips in this giant Buck Rogers book in the library, you know, and and he's actually like telling me how he does these things. I'm pretty sure
1: I have that book. I have a Buck Rogers collection that is roughly the size of my torso uh, right it's right big, it's a big it's a big white book it's got you know a, like right. a decade of continuity strips in it and it's an amazing book
2: yeah uh, he did he did almost all the sunday strips in that book that's amazing uh, and and i i was you know and suddenly it's like i'm 10 years old and i'm getting to actually like talk to a real cartoonist not and not just at the library he, he was okay with me just calling him up and we just like chat on the phone he came to my house a few times we went to their house a few times you know and <clears> and and, and, su- and you know so suddenly you know uh, it, it like that literally changed my life because it's, it's like, there's, there's, there's plenty of just looking at the comics, but to actually right. talk to someone when you're only 10 years old, that, you know, 11, 12, whatever, and getting to, you know, find out how it's actually done and, and have someone who knows, you know, knows the stuff, look at your stuff and give you advice on your stuff. I mean, that, you know, so that, yeah, my library didn't, it wasn't just the books, but they found me a real cartoonist too, who lived nearby. Right. So I was, I was extremely yeah, lucky. And then, my, you know, Ryland, mother... you mentioned... No, go ahead. Andrew. Oh, I was like, Ryland, you mentioned the comic shop thing. Yeah, I sort of had that where I had my life changed kind of by that as well, where when I moved to, sh- um, it, was a, it was a small contribution to why I moved to Chicago for you know, college in 1987, but it was a contributing factor. What I still think is the best comic shop I have ever seen in my entire life anywhere in the world. Was uh, on the north side of Chicago, Larry's Comics, the very first comic shop in Chicago. Larry was one of the founders of the Chicago Comic Con. Guy's name is Larry Charette. Uh, he, he's still out there on eBay doing, you know, selling stuff. And um, uh, his shop had everything. It wasn't just the Marvel and DC stuff. It wasn't even just the indie stuff. It wasn't even just the underground stuff or the golden age stuff. He was, you know, long before you could get British comics. Uh, easily, you know, like AD and stuff, easily through you know diamond or something like that. He was the store that was importing them for everyone else in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could access all of this wonderful stuff that Alan Moore and and Brian Bolland and and. and Gary Leach and all these other wonderful artists were doing long before, you know, it was easy to find them, but it's like, there they were, he had them. He had whole shelves of French graphic novels and Italian graphic wow. novels. And suddenly it's like Francois chouet who became one of my favorites. So it's like, you know, yeah, I can't, you know, so I want to give the thanks to the public library, but also like Ryland was saying, you can't beat a great comic shop oh, no. as well either. As well either. And it's like, you know, so between the two of them, I was I was bombarded with wonderful influences and Larry's shop was he had a huge section of newspaper strip reprint comics and magazines, and that is where I finally got access to a lot more of Roy Crane's Washburns and Captain Easy, or you know, you mentioned Popeye earlier, uh, you know, the E.C. Seeger's Popeye and all that. So, um, yeah, I was I was ex- I, I've been extremely fortunate to to discover these things when I was still relatively young and be able to incorporate them into my work over the years. And, uh, and just be inspired by these wonderful adventure strips and, uh, and 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 be able to make these fun comics because i I, I found such you know I, it's like I saw these things and just wanted to make my own
1: yeah it's funny because of the I think uh, because of a couple of things including the ampersand your uh, Simone and Ajax always, always makes me think of asterisk and obelisk Speaking of, uh,
2: I, I, I certainly read some of those, though I can't say they were a conscious. Oh, no, they, it, yeah, there, yeah.
1: it's not. That's aside from the fact that it's a picaresque adventure. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, maybe it's just the, the A name ending in X reminds me of it. But it is also, it's, it's that great thing. And you, you achieve this in your work too of, uh, there's cartooning that is just beautiful and abstract. Like I think, there's something very abstract about, uh, peanuts. I -hmm. think, you know, intentionally so, but then there's cartooning that like, it's got the abstraction of cartooning, but it still also takes place in a recognizably real world. And asterisk and obelisk is, is, is among those, like the humans are cartoony. The world they live in is not cartoony. Right. You know, it's not as expressionist as the, Adults Only Have Feet, <laughs> you know, right. universe of Charles Schultz, uh, you know, and uh, and that's a specific style. Uh, and right. there's not a lot. They, it's I, I'd say it's not that, con- you know, Bone is a, a good ex- modern example. I think. Um, of
2: that. Yeah. Bone Bone is definitely something I've loved. And, and it's a and, great I, it's an amazing yeah.
1: character and an amazing yeah. comic.
2: And, and I, I, I have been very flattered when several times Simone and Ajax has been compared to Bone. Yeah, so, I can see that. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean like, like I, I say that like in you know in one of my, in like in the, the promo video for it, you know, it's been compared to to you know Archie Comics and mm-hmm. and Bone and Cerebus and the Marx Brothers and and Carl Bark's Uncle Scrooge stuff and 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 it's just like, you know I am always thrilled to have something like that because yes, those are things that have inspired me. You know, some of my, you know, one of my favorite lines is the look of an arch that someone gave me, once was the look of an Archie comic with the sensibilities of a Marx Brothers movie. That's you know? really nice. And, yeah. Yeah. No, those no, that, those I,
1: kind I, of things are, are incredible. One of my favorite reviews I've ever received, I think it was for Elvira in Horrorland number three, which is the issue that finds her invading the movie alien. Basically someone said, this reads like a particularly good mad magazine uh, parody, and I was like, "Well, that's that's the target I've been aiming for, man." So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it seemed like to you. If it seemed like it was written by Angelo Torres or uh, you know Dick De that's a that's a that's a good thing. But uh, yeah, and, oh, yeah. And, is, yeah
2: you, who are some later say, influences? No, go ahead. Oh no, well, one quick thing going, uh, and then I'll stop talking about Roy Crane. Uh, is yeah, you mentioned fine. the cartooning with the with the realism. It's like if you go back to his stuff, it started out super cartoony. The mm-hmm. characters remained cartoony, but those backgrounds got more and more realistic over time. And he—he, he, you know, if you, you check those out, it's like he had these gorgeous, very nicely illustrated uh, backgrounds. And he was the master of crafting. Do you know crafting duo shade? Technique? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was like the master of it. And like, you know, you'll find Alex Toth raving about him and stuff like that because sure. just, he just—he just—he just. And so you had, and so again, you still have these cartoony characters, but operating within a a gorgeously illustrated you know yeah. in, in when, ways, background
1: when duo shade became is outlawed the right word like restricted because the chemicals will slowly kill you yes uh, yes i
2: like pat patrick mcdonald i know got you know if you know who if you know who he is i know he got uh, mercury poisoning and stuff so. yeah
1: <laughs> well and i i try to you know my my friend uh kevin eastman uh literally like uh what's the word i'm looking for Cached, you know, a thousand or ten thousand pages of duo shade and a couple of jugs of the chemicals, and has like very slowly. When he does his pages for our comic that we do together, drawing blood, he he uh, he uses one or two sheets of his existing uh, back, you know, back catalog of of duo shade pages. Uh but like they're a finite resource. Eventually he yeah. will run out of duo shade pages.
2: Right, right. Uh, I, I still have I still have some of the <clears throat> Yeah, I still have some of the duo shade paper, but I don't have the chemicals because yeah, all of the actual like the the all of the stuff that I did between ninety four and two thousand four with Spone and Ajax was done on Duo Shade. Yeah, Having having been inspired by the classic cartoonists who were all using that back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, because like Rick Yeager was using it on Buck Rogers, Roy Crane was using yeah. it on on uh um you know on, on Capnisi and and I and I wanted to use that that same yep. technique and some well, someone yeah.
1: needs to I mean I'm I'm sure there is a I'm sure there are filters in some of the Illustrator programs oh there are that, there are yeah that that do an yeah. impression of it yeah but I you know I think d- surely someone can crack the chemical code and make a (laughs) non-murderous duo shade you know make a make a duo shade chemical that will not kill you right uh, because i think the spider-verse should really reignite people's interest in duo shade half Mm. of those movies are in
0: fake duo shade and it's
1: a spectacular look
0: I, Mm. i i'm 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 still stuck back on you know kevin eastman you know, hits it big, and he buys one a Batmobile and two a a a stockpile of uh, of Duo Shade, which he is still using. The yeah. Batmobile is gone, but the Duo Shade is yeah.
1: still
0: there, and the tank. Don't forget the tank. Uh, I forgot the tank. Yeah, that's the tank. The even yeah. more comical.
1: Uh, it's a great story. Yeah. yeah, but but yeah, like it's it it. it So much of the look of the uh, the Spider-Verse movies, you know, you see these big honking dots, big as life, you know, and that duo shade look to a lot of the art. And uh, it's I I, I, it would be nice if someone because, you know, the the imitation stuff looks okay, It's just, you know, it's not quite the same level of messy artistry that you get with real duo shade.
2: Right, right, all those, but it was like, yeah, the, the, yeah the, those little crisscross lines, you know, you can, you can do it with a computer, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. What's
1: the technique, I'm spacing on the name of it, um, Chaikin uses it a lot, or used to use it a lot. The, the, there's the other, like, advertising paste-up version of that from comics in the period. Zipitone? Zipitone, that's it.
2: Yeah, well, Ch- no, Chaykin, like on American Flag, was using duo shade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was a different kind of duo shade, it was more of a, a speckled duo shade yeah um and and so so it was was, but it was still this chemically um this this invisible chemical field in in, you know printed on the boards that was brought out by these different chemicals yeah that of course were going to kill you at some point um you know so i'm 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 sometimes amazed that roy craig and and, uh rick yeager lived as long as they did how how much work they were doing on that stuff for years
1: yeah every time uh, i get a duo shade page from kevin i'm like Please wear a mask, man. <laughs> well,
2: you know well, it absorbs into your skin. It absorbs into yeah, your skin. I, I,
1: I know it's it's not just fumes, but yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a tough thing when the materials can can actually kill you, as opposed yeah. to just you know kill but, your spirit yeah. and your soul. I I, I but, draw the
0: line at neurotoxin, but uh, yeah, but that's
2: just me. <laughs> yeah. But you were asking about modern influences. Yeah, um, more
0: in. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, bone, obviously, as we were, you know, we're talking about, cause I mean, bone started what about 1992,
1: 93, something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, certainly was inspired by some of what Jeff was doing. I, I fortunately, you know, it's like, I, it's not like I, I run into him anymore that San Diego than I, than I, you know, once in a while, but it's like, you know, I, I ran into him a lot in those days and, you know, talked to him a little bit, uh, in, in, in the early days and, uh, um, uh, was certainly inspired by what he was doing and, but uh, a couple of the other things that popped to mind immediately are uh, Steve Purcell's Salmon Max Freelance Police.
1: Oh, I do not know that one at all.
2: Oh, you don't? Okay. No. He, oh, he is. He, he there are collections. Uh, there was actually even a short-lived Saturday morning TV show that got away with some jokes. I don't know how they managed to put in there. Um, but uh, um, Salmon Max Freelance Police uh, was this this uh, dog and this this murderous little bunny. And it's like basically this psychotic bunny going off on weird trips and road trips and, and just having these crazy adventures, going to the moon where the moon is, is, is run by cockroaches. And, and uh, it, it, was, it was just this crazy, fun, um, just over-the-top adventure strip. And in some ways, you notice the first and last letters of Simone and Ajax mm-hmm. and Sam and Max are the same. And that's, that's not uh, by accident. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that had that ring to me. You know, in sure. some ways, and and so I, I loved his stuff. I own I own an original Sam and Max page. Now, his- was
1: that originally in comics, in comic strips? Like, where did in, that
2: in com- in comic books? He did okay. several he did several specials at. Uh, let's see, Kamiko, Marvel, uh, Marvel even published wow. some Sam and Max. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, several it, it bounced through several different publishers. And he, I mean, Steve ended up going off to Luke, uh, Lucasfilm and Pixar. Uh, okay. So he, you know, so he's, he, he directed, oh, uh, what was, what was the, what was the Pixar one about the, uh, the, the, uh, the Irish girl? Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, um... else. yeah I remember I don't the one I'm about, about you... the
1: Scottish girl. I don't remember yeah. the one about the oh, Irish girl. Scottish. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, Brave. Brave. brave yeah, yes. Like yeah, Steve,
2: like, yeah. Steve, Steve, like, yeah, okay. Steve, Steve uh, yeah. Steve directed that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, so he's had a very successful career, but every once in a while he'll he'll like post some little Salmon Max thing, you know, a little you know Christmas strip or something like that. Um, but yeah, I love the feel and the adventure and the wacky humor because that's like the thing about Swim Ajax. It's not just adventure; it's really groaningly bad jokes and horrible puns um, that it's that, that, that much of it's built on. <laughs> and, sure. You know, and i <clears throat> Excuse me. And I wanted that uh, that that sort of feel that that Steve was putting into Salmon Max. Um, and like one of the other things that was a big influence were the uh, do you remember the Gumby summer specials from Nico in the late eighties?
1: Yes, I do actually.
2: Yeah, one of them was one of those was written by Steve, mm-hmm. and one was written by Bob Burden, and 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 you know Art Adams drew both of them, and those yes. were absolute favorites of mine and definite inspirations for the kind of ridiculous. Over the top kind of adventures, you know, with horrible jokes that I wanted, I wanted to tell.
1: At the, at the time those comics were being done, there was also a reboot of the cartoon with Gumby. And I was working at Lorimar Telepictures that was producing and posting them. And I remember some of our artists, some of our executives went up to meet with Art Clokey and they came back and they're like, didn't understand a word he said. Like, like they were like that guy is whacked out on so many drugs <laughs> like we we couldn't follow a single sentence to its conclusion but he seems like a really nice guy the animation's getting delivered so we're just going to keep letting him do whatever the hell he wants to do <laughs> but yeah, uh, i never
2: i never never met never yeah i never met him but I, I do love those things i've got you know i can't see tell if it's showing up in camera but behind me there's like a lovely gumby coffee table book back here yeah you know and uh, so those are those are things I, I remember as like early influence you know like more modern but early influences on on sure. my kind of writing you know I, I sort of like I mean my my way of looking at it is there's plenty of people who can do dark far yeah. better than I ever could or or deep and dramatic than I ever could. But when I'm telling people about Simone Ajax, I start out by telling them if you're looking for deep and meaningful, this is not it you right. know but but if you're looking for a weird buddy comedy about a girl uh, you know about a 20 something girl who's Best friend happens to be a three-foot-tall cartoony dinosaur, who sure. I send on adventures to any time or place that I feel like sending them. Right, uh, you know that that you know with, with like I said, horrible jokes. Yeah. This this is your book, yeah. and and you know I just want to. I, I, that's that's the thing. I, I use the word fun a lot in my like you'll you'll see it when you you know if you look at the Kickstarter. I use the word fun a lot because that's that's what I'm going for. The world needs more fun and I want to bring the world more fun, whether it's, you know, and whether it's in Simone and Ajax, whether it's in the other stuff I've written like Katie Keene or Monica mm -hmm. Moon, you know, uh, I, I want to, you know, I'm looking for, for fun, you know, in, 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 in my comics.
1: And fun is severely underrated. uh, You know, I, I would say Uh, people, people equate fun with a lack of seriousness and with a lack of, uh, you know, depth. And there's this sort of humorlessness that I find so just deadly dull, because among all of the other things about that kind of humorlessness, the world does not exist like that. The darkest mm-hmm. moments on your in your life will also be some of the funniest, and that's just the world. And uh, I prefer to. I remember going to see Full House screening of Fellini's Eight and a Half at the New Beverly, and you know every seat occupied and in the dead silent first 5 minutes of that movie the audience was dead silent those are funny scenes that is intentionally funny the gargoyle faces staring at him from the other cars in the in the tunnel during the traffic jam fellini wa- thinks that's those are supposed to be funny you're supposed to laugh at that but this audience was so terrified <clears throat> into the idea that they were experiencing high art yeah. that they were unwilling mm-hmm. to believe that the high art was gonna like oh I shouldn't laugh at that die yeah. because this is a serious movie It's like no it's a it is a movie about very serious things that is a comedy and you yeah. you can do that
0: well yeah, like, yeah it, 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 it's the best formula I mean it's a, yeah. y, you look at I, I mean what is considered you know the best storytelling of of recent years you know I mean go and see the golden age of television right the the sopranos like, you know all, all at once a very serious life and death drama but it was fucking hilarious That's and hilarious. I, I, I i laugh more watching the average you know episode of The sopranos than i do watching 30 rock um the wire uh hilarious yeah. um uh on down the line my favorite film fargo uh very serious drama it's basically a comedy. Uh, uh uh boogie nights similar thing i mean it gets as dark as 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 a, a drama can get at times but it is also basically a comedy at times um uh walking that line because like you said i mean life is not i mean i i remember i remember you know my my dad dying and i was you know i i had to he lived in tennessee i had to go down to tennessee uh um you know there there was a he he fell he hit his head it took him a day or two to 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 die we laughed more in that day and a half as a family than we ever had you know in the in the previous 20 years combined you know uh uh for the most part and you know you're 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 in trouble if you are trying to you know do a very serious drama yeah. and there's no levity there's no pressure release um you're not showing you know just you know both faces of life, basically, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and also, you know, out and out comedy, out and you know, better better uh artists than I, you know, the the, the, the Sullivan's Travels, the great uh mm-hmm. Preston Sturge's movie is all about like a guy who wants to make a serious movie about the depression and you know, he wants to make this really dark, grim thing. And what he learns is no one in the depression wants to see his dark, grim film about the depression. Yeah. They want looney tunes they want to be entertained and uh you know it's a it's a great lesson for anyone to learn and i love the fact that you know the greatest tribute ever to um speaking of the cohen brothers the greatest tribute ever to sullivan's travels is they literally made the movie that the fake movie director in sullivan's travels is trying to make is called oh brother where art thou mm-hmm. and i love that the cohen brothers come along 70 years later and go let's make Sullivan's Oh brother where art thou and see how that comes out. And of course, you know, it's it's a it is also a comedy, but it is also shows many sides of the depression and, you know, is is worthwhile in that in that in that respect. But yeah, and entertainment there's nothing wrong with fun. I mean, talk about yeah. a thesis statement.
2: Yeah. But and, uh, and, and and I just like coming up with, you know, weird ideas that I can throw, you know, whether like I said, whether it's in Swanadics or any of the other stuff I write. I just I like coming up with some you know something that um, I can I can take a weird spin on and just throw you know throw throw a ridiculous spin on it. So you know like yeah. everyone's always uh, like you know like in the in the black and white book there'll be a story of you know you can find out what happens to Atlantis you know and and just where 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 suddenly you know it turns out there's a giant statue of Ajax there and they think he's an Atlantean god. You know, and, and, or Simone goes to Valkyrie school. How does a Valkyrie actually get to be a full-fledged Valkyrie, you know, Valkyrie, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I just want to be, and I just want to be silly or, or yeah. like, you know, I'm going to be doing a Simone and Ajax, I, I mean, a, a, a Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes is public domain now. I'm going to do a Simone and Ajax Sherlock Holmes story. You know? so, and, you
1: know, and, and also they could meet Winnie the Pooh, I'm told.
2: Kinda. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you may not want to, but they—they.
2: They, yeah. I, I oh no, I love they... the Winnie the Pooh stuff. Those were some of my favorite books as a kid. I used to actually make. When I was a kid, I actually used to make Winnie the Pooh stuffed animals. I'd like wow. cut out the get the patterns and I'd sew them and I'd make them. I was I, I wasn't just drawing comics. I was like making other stuff too.
1: Well, and that's the other. You know, we all. You know, we do all start with fan fiction. You know, every everyone starts with like, let me imitate this thing that I love. Let me let me do my version of it. It's when you never stop <laughs> that you may you may have a problem. You know, and the thing about Simone and Ajax, I'm sure for you, it's great to have a little you know a corner of your career that is just entirely yours.
2: Oh right, right, yeah. I mean, I'm best known for doing lots of Marvel and DC stuff. You know, the super like a lot of the superhero stuff in the '90s and the early 2000s, or in later times, very on opposite ends. Uh, fables on one end, or Simpsons on the other. You know, right? I mean, th- but those were that was a great ten years because that really was a nice thing to be bouncing back and forth on. Sure, you yeah. know, and and sure, there've been things that I've written and drawn, or at least you know, had a con- contribution to the writing and been able to draw. Like, you know, I did a Little Orphan Annie newspaper strip for a while. Wow, uh, you know, and and you know, but but and yeah, were you, you know,
1: it, were you writer and artist on the Little Orphan Annie strip?
2: No, I was a artist, and I contributed some ideas okay. for. It. Uh, we had a different writer named Jay Mader uh, who was writing it at the time. Um, I didn't last long on it. that's that's a whole other story. Uh, but but uh, but I but I'm glad I at least had that. And and I you know because like I said I love the strips. I even uh, I even did a guest run on Dick Tracy in 2019. No. You know just I you know someone was like you want you know it's like you want to draw Dick Tracy for two weeks. I was like sure. You know? And we brought that's back great. Friday Foster. Do you remember Friday Foster? Sure. Yeah, brought back Friday Foster. So you know, I just, but yeah, but but like you said, it's nice to have my own thing, and and like as as people when people ask me what's my favorite thing I ever did, I you know like I hold up you know the book and I'm just like this this is my favorite thing I ever did. You know, I mean, I'm very proud of the things I did with you know all these a lot of these other things, and I'm not you know putting any of any of that other work down, but uh, but yeah, it's nice it's nice to have that, and you know, I mean, one of the other things I'm hoping to do if these kickstarters go well is, is I've got other ideas too. And I'm hoping to, you know, throw those out there too. I mean, I had I did this little char- I did this character named Monica Moon, this uh, very much inspired by Rick Giger, book Rogers kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. That that whole bubble helmets and spin fin spaceships. I'm, I'm like
1: such that. a fan of good space opera. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and sort of shameless speaking of shameless entertainment. Uh, you know, it's it's fine for Star Wars to do something that's like super political, like Andor, or you know, it's going off on all sorts of interesting directions, but I also, I love, I love space opera as a genre. I love, I only in the last five or six years discovered there's a specific word for the John Carter of Mars genre called planetary romance, which I just, hmm. it's one of yeah. my favorite names for planetary a genre. Romance?
0: Wow. Planeta- it's a I,
1: planetary I, romance. I, I think the, ty- the term may actually predate space opera and it's kind of dropped out of the language and has been creeping back into it.
2: But are you going to put, are you know, you gonna put like it back you out there?
1: Sword and sorcery on another planet. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily because like space opera requires spaceships and, you know, galactic empires and whatever. Whereas planetary romance is more, you know, the way in which Flash Gordon mostly is on Mongo, you know, is most, mm-hmm. you know, they don't actually travel to other planets in until much later in the John Carter series. And then I think they're only traveling to the moon or whatever. But uh, it's, uh, it's just a nice, it's because there's a, you talked about the travelogue aspect. And even to this day, there's a romance to the travel aspect. And I think sometimes one of the things that gets lost in the CGI soup sometimes is just show me something spectacular. And let me look at it for a minute. A lot of times you get like, we're, we're shooting through this and that and the other thing, you know, and there's a little bit of that, a Spider-Verse, there's a little bit of that in the Doctor Strange movies, but like, there's that Kubrick thing of like, here's something cool to look at, spend a few seconds looking at it, mm-hmm. not going to cut away from it until you've really absorbed this v- staggering vista you've never seen before. Uh, and you know, I think, you know, it's, it's even part of the appeal of the James Bond movies. It's not simply action and adventure and sex and violence. It's, you've never been to Hong Kong. Here's Hong Kong. You've never been to Tokyo. Here's Tokyo. You've not, you know, like that part of it. And I think Lucas, the formula kind of dropped out a little bit, but star Wars and the empire strikes back seem to have a formula of like, there's going to be three planets, you know, going to th- they're going to be very different looking from one another. You know, and then by the third movie, he's always like he's already like, Oh, let's go back to Tatooine for a half hour. Uh, but in the first two, it's sort of like, here's a new thing. Let's spend a half hour, forty five minutes there. Here's a new thing. Let's spend a half hour and forty five minutes there. And that aspect, I think, of the the new and exciting and visual, uh, you know, and Alex Raymond is drawing that in yeah. Flash Gordon to bring it right back around to cartooning.
2: Right, and I mean, it's like the setting is al- is almost like one of the characters in the movie. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah and even you know if look at uh look at how foster and and uh and and prince valiant like in the sunday strips in particular there's usually one jaw-dropping establishing shot of a castle or an army on the field or whatever where you're like oh it's sunday i have some space here's a giant panel for you to just look at all afternoon uh mm-hmm. in your newspaper and uh You know, I think that's a it's an interesting aspect to those kind of arts uh, of like in the slower paced world where everything wasn't in your fingertips at all time. You know, when you're reading, I always say when you're reading Watchmen in the 80s, you read each issue 30 times because you've got a month, if not much longer before the second issue comes out and you talk about it with your friends. And when people tell me, oh, I've never read, Watch- read Watchmen, I'm picking up the trade paperback and reading it now. I'm always like, please just like, don't read it straight through in an afternoon. Read one issue, take a day off, yeah. read the second, like at least try to absorb it in the serialized format
2: yeah. that it was, where
1: you, were you actually like, it's a mystery. And you to me built into it is you have a month to think about the questions suggested by the fr- previous issue.
0: Well, yeah. and, 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 and I mean, you're talking about pacing and yeah. if we're talking comic strips, I mean, that's what's interesting about a comic strip uh, uh, period is that we are used to the drama being moved a mile. And the point of, you know, of a comic strip is to move it an inch. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is really interesting. And the idea of getting it in like inch strips. Right um is is really intriguing and then it, add, it adding up to a mile in the end you know uh uh is, is really cool and i mean particularly nowadays where it's like it's not enough to drop a mile anymore you know we we want it to move you know 10 miles 100 miles a 1, thousand miles right um and and, <laughs> and our movies are moving at a thousand miles an hour you know um so it, it is a completely different thing and um it, and yeah there's something. Um, you know, I, I uh, we we talk about Zen a little bit, uh, uh, Andrew. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. One of the weird sort of lines on my bio is that I happen to be an ordained Soto of Zen Buddhist monk, and oh, okay. um, and so meditation is very important to me. And and particularly now, when you know we are assaulted by information and stimuli, <laughs> you, you know, twenty four seven, the idea of just dropping out of warp, sitting down and doing nothing, right? just, just sitting with the moment. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's very important. It's very therapeutic. Uh, it's life-changing. It is, um, it is, um, you know, uh, perspective altering all of these great things, you know? So I try to do it twice a day. Um, uh, and, and I think that, you know, again, you, you, you spend your day watching Michael Bay movies and then dropping on a warp and, and, and spending an hour with some comic strips, you know, um, I think there is a similar thing uh, 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 that is happening there where it's like you are processing drama, you are processing um, comedy and humor and, and and life in a very different way. Um, I think it's important to do that. I think it can be life changing. I think it can be, be perspective altering to do that. Um, and I think particularly if you are a, um, um, you know, if you're a creator. If you're a writer, if you're a dramaturgist, if you're w- whatever, you know what I'm saying. Um, uh, uh, the idea of of going and 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 processing this stuff in a different way, um, or or seeking out stories that have been processed in a different way, I think is 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 necessary. Yeah. Essential. Yeah. Did you did you ever do Simone and Ajax as
1: a strip? Has it ever been a three or four panel daily? Like no, I know it hasn't been in you know a syndicate or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But have you ever done it as a strip, or has it always been comic stories? Uh,
2: I I attempted to do it as a strip, um, mm. a, a couple times. I pitched it as a strip, and never I never managed to sell it that way. Um, but uh, I I have tried, and there will be examples of that in the uh, in in the. New I was. Black I don't know why. Collection. I just
1: I assumed that you had given it a shot. If that was your origin story, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm always. Yes. I didn't realize until. I don't can't remember where I stumbled ap- upon this piece of information, but as a writer, I'm in awe of the format, which is that in strips, that you're it's supposed to work if you only ever read the Sunday strip.
2: Well, that's only with certain strips.
1: Yeah, but the, yeah. but the, the, yeah. but there the, there was a, like I think Prince Valiant was supposed to work that way, where like well, there Monday only was Friday. a
2: Sunday. What's that? There only was a Sunday in Prince Valiant. There never was oh, okay. a day.
1: Yeah. But there was on, there were also strips where like Monday through Saturday were like good information to have, but all, but they had to make sure the big storytelling moments were Sundays for people who only get the Sunday paper.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. And- no, I've known strips like that. Like Bob Luber's, uh, a lot of the Bob Luber strips had to be mm-hmm. that way um, when he was doing like long Sam or Robin Malone. Um, when, you, if you do read collections of them, uh, he, you know, yeah, i it, it it's sort of like, I don't think it read as well if you didn't read the dailies, but Right? yes, you could read right. just the Sundays remember, and still get the general plot, you know? I'm trying
1: and, to remember I'm, which strip I heard that about, and I want to say it was Spider-Man, actually. Okay. That, like, the continuity would, they try to make it work if you just saw the Sunday strips, you know, with the, sat- the Monday through Saturday kind of still having this, carrying a story, but, like, the big moments were always saved for Sunday so that the Sunday only readers could could get mm-hmm. something i can't it might not have been spider-man maybe maybe it was flash gordon or something like that but it was it was a it's it's just that alone telling a story in three panels is a that is a crazy talent you know no, that it, yeah it's I, uh it's,
2: it's hard to do it is hard oh. to do i mean i i i definitely because i mean like i said i attempted it as a strip you know i, ri- I originally attempted it as sort of an ongoing continuity strip mm-hmm. with with jokes scattered here and there but there was an editor. Uh, at the Washington Post Syndicate, who actually was willing to like look at my stuff and sort of showed me how to turn it into from a humorous adventure strip into an adventurous humor strip, so mm. that there was a gag a day, but it was still an adventure strip. Right. And 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 so I went with that because that's sort of what would work in a newspaper better is to you know yeah keep get that little get get that get that story across, but also you get that little punchline every day.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. Now I, yeah. it's so much. It's it that works so much better in the newspaper format. And I'm so impressed also though, by the adventure strips that are literally just three panels of a, you know, 300 page comic every day, <laughs> like just right. like th- th- doing a story and like, you got you basically it's one beat. There's right. one beat of a Spider-Man story. Yeah. Here's one, you know, like, not even a beat. Here's a, here's a shot and a half, you know, two shots from a Spider-Man story. It's always very impressive to me, but uh we should, we should probably wrap up, but I yeah, uh, I was just
2: about to say yeah, I've got about six or seven minutes. Uh, yeah, before I, gotta but, uh, I gotta go. Andrew, I'm give fine. the kids
1: at home where they can find uh, your your Kickstarter. I, obviously, we'll put the link uh, when this goes live. The link will be available I, with it. I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, tell people what you want them to know about it.
2: Well, um, it it'll it. The, it'll be it's it's live as as of the uh, as of Tuesday the 13th. So if uh, this is on the 14th, uh, yeah. you know, then it 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 should be live unless something goes disastrously wrong. And and um uh and uh you know so go to go to Kickstarter and just the easy, the easiest way to find it is uh, search my last name, pepoy, p-e-p-o-y, or search Simone and Ajax and it should come up. Right. But you can also go to the websites of either of those. You can go to peepoy.com, p-e-p-o-y.com or Simone and Ajax. No ampersand in the website. You can't do that in a website address. Right. But uh, but Painful. it's like si- si- yeah, si- simone with an e and ajax.com and the links will be there uh, to to just follow to the kickstarter uh, and and I'm I've got it you know multiple different kinds of you know you can get the book signed, you get the book uh, with a doodle, you can get artwork. Uh, I I almost never sell Simone and Ajax artwork and the only time I ever have uh, is, uh, you know, like pu- published art. The only time I've sold published artwork of them before was through the previous Kickstarter. So there are just a few pieces of it uh, available through this one. So uh, if nice. you ever wanted a piece of Simone and Ajax artwork, there's like five pieces that are available because I, I've just sort of, it's it's kind of my precious creation. So I, yeah. I, I you know, I have to get that. I, I rarely sell the, you know, I almost never sell the artwork. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I hope you'll check it out. Uh, it is, you know, as I said before, it is a very, ridiculous silly comic uh it is it is uh uh i I just it just if you're looking for something to have some fun with uh i hope i hope you'll uh you know take a look and 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 there are there are free previews of some of the stories uh from the previous book on the simonics website if you want a taste of what it's like
1: terrific and it's a and it's a beautiful comic i mean aside from being funny it is beautifully drawn and it looks terrific like it's very it's pleasurable just to look at the art So, you know, I, I will, I will give it that endorsement as well as being fun and entertaining and all of that. It's just beautifully well-drawn, like Bone. I mean, I think that's um, why people connect that dot is you also look at the art and go, this is just really pretty, you know, this is really nice to look at.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a great, you know, greatly inspired by Dan DiCarlo and I'm mixing that with those adventure influences, you know, and, and just trying to, Put that all together with a nice you know, nice good brush stroke. I'm still working on paper, so you're still getting that 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 juicy nice. real yeah. live brush stroke, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah. cool. And you were trying to say something, Ryland. Oh
0: no, I was just gonna say, let me second the endorsement. I backed the last one. I'm certainly gonna back this one. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great book. So uh so oh, do yourself a favor it. and uh and check it out. I am uh at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media that is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T if you're listening. Um, I always have to spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. So now <laughs> I have to spell it for you. Um, but yeah, if you miss the uh, jump three Kickstarter, the recent thing, um, you can get all of the jump three goodness as well as, uh, the other jump goodness and aberrant stuff and band Jack stuff and suicide jockey stuff and peacekeeper stuff all on my backer kit site. That is the jump 3backerkitcom It's kind of a one-stop Rylan Grant shop. There's a lot of Sign stuff and special stuff and uh rare convariants and all that noise. So um go check it out. Um what do you got for us, Avalone? Uh
1: like Andrew, I have a singular enough last name that I am very easily googled. Um so uh, but the website is David Avaloni Freelance.com and that has the branching to all of the things. Um coming up very soon is Elvira in Monsterland number two. Which is the Frankenstein issue? It is called Franken Frankie Goes to Hollywood, uh, and that should be in your local shops uh, next week. From when this lands, I think. Um, and uh, and yeah, a lot of other stuff out there. You know, uh, mm-hmm. click on the links. Uh, I have an Amazon author page with a lot of. Uh, lot of fun stuff on it and um if you want to go to pulp today and scroll down until you see andrew smiling face you can see us talking about the uh old pulp character the spider and i think we talk about other shit too i think that that's one of those episodes it's like an hour long uh, where we talk about the topic for 15 minutes and then we talk about other things. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm
2: really good at going off on tangents all over the place. Yeah. And, since, and since you said such yeah. nice stuff about my work, I wanted to say, I was reading your work, uh, David, last night on the plane Thank on the you. way home from a convention. I was reading your Betty Page Unbound, and I'm having a good time with that.
1: God, I loved doing that book. <laughs> really, I, I miss Betty, but I produ- Unbound was such a love letter to all of the things I love. And in fact, the third issue of Betty Page Unbound, which is about which is a John Carter pastiche is called Planetary Romance. That's the title. Okay,
2: that's a yeah. I'm in the yeah. middle of that issue. I was in the middle of that issue when the plane landed. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah.
1: That one caused a little controversy because I made uh, it, and just simply in the name of art to do a cool a cool uh, what's the word I'm looking for reversal of audience expectations. I made John Carter the bad guy, and they were like, "This is so woke," and I'm like character being genocidal and he's the bad guy. And if you think turning a genocidal guy into a bad guy as is woke, is a bad thing. Like literally the only political point made in that issue is that genocide is bad. Mm -hmm. So woke. And again, it's not John Carter. I don't think John Carter is genocidal. I, I deal with my feelings about John Carter elsewhere. Um, But yeah, that was a super fun series. And thank you for, for saying nice things. Uh that's it for this issue of the writer's block. Thank you for joining us. Thank you Andrew for Thank you for having speak. me.
2: I appreciate it. Yeah.
1: And we'll see you on the next
0: exciting episode.
2: Take it easy, guys. Sounds good. Thanks a lot.
0: If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit pendantaudio.com. Thanks for listening.